You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. Is it a sin to drink wine? Learn more about what the Bible has to say about this in this message from Pastor Joe Sulit. We are Every Nation Canberra. We are a family of churches that exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. Last week, we had Back to Basics. We do that every first Saturday of every month. And today, we are going to start a new segment called God Questions. I believe that as a church, we must address common yet complex issues in life and search for answers in the truth that is only found in the Word of God. The reason we're having this time to ask honest questions is for us to find answers in the Bible so that we may be able to uh, make a personal decision based on the truth that the Bible reveals to us. And the first issue that we are going to talk about today is an issue that most of us, I believe so, can identify with. To drink or not to drink. All right? I don't think we will be able to address every issue there is about the subject matter. And I know there will be mixed reactions today, right? But as I've said, it's important to ask this question. Why? We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal us the truth about drinking. Whether you don't drink at all or you drink occasionally on social gatherings or whether you drink regularly, my prayer is that all of us today will come out of this place with a better biblical understanding of the subject matter. We can all justify our reasons why we don't drink. Who among you here don't drink at all? We can all justify our reasons why we don't drink, right? And we respect that. And we can also justify our reasons why we drink. And we also respect that. The million-dollar question today is, is it a sin to drink alcohol? Pause for a moment. We all have our concept of what the Bible considers sin, right, with regards to alcohol. But ask yourself, is it a sin to drink alcohol? The simple answer is no. Oh, wait. There's more, all right? We will not find any defining verse in the Bible that explicitly says that wine or alcohol is naturally evil, all right? So if it's not a sin to drink alcohol, then why are we here talking about it? We need to talk about it because in as much as the Bible says that drinking or it doesn't specifically mention that alcohol is intrinsically evil. The Bible sternly warns us about drinking and the sin of getting drunk. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to what? Reckless indiscretion. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. At this point, I assume that we all agree. We're still in agreement, right? It's not a sin to drink. It is a sin to get drunk. But there are other areas that we need to look into. One example. If you are drinking, all right, and drinking is not a sin, when do you consider yourself drunk? 
We all know of what we call alcohol tolerance, right? Meaning not every person would have the same response to the alcohol in their body. You know this, when you're drinking with a group, someone would get drunk faster than the others or get more tipsy ahead than the others. Someone can have five beers and still be okay, and there are others who just have a bottle of beer and just be flat out, right? Now, if intoxication to a certain extent is subjective and getting drunk is a sin, then where do you draw the line between what is acceptable and what the Bible calls sin? If you're having a Friday night out with friends, you decided to go to the bar and have a couple of drinks, it's acceptable, right? Where do you draw and when do you draw the line between drinking is okay and what the Bible condemns as sin? There are seven stages of intoxication based on the concentration of the alcohol in our blood. Remember, it's not the wine, but the excessive drinking of the wine that the Bible warns us about. Simply because whether you're a seasoned drinker or a social drinker, the Bible knows that our human bodies would respond to alcohol in our blood in this progression. From sobriety all the way down to fatal, fatal death, right? Let's take, for example, the euphoria stage, right? This is what most of us refer to as being tipsy. It's like you're on cloud nine, right? This is what it says. In the euphoria stage, most people feel more confident, more talkative, and animated, and thus euphoric. At this stage, inhibitions start to decline. And we've heard of a lot of people who got pregnant or people who just, you know, went out of their way. As an, as an individual comes closer to the latter parts of the euphoria stage, they'll experience impaired memory, impaired judgment, and impaired coordination. And you know that very well. At this stage, alertness is also decreased and people have more trouble processing information. They're much more likely to get into a car accident than a driver with a BAC of zero. The law of the short is, regardless of our tolerance on alcohol, no one is exempt from being intoxicated with it if you drink in excess. Our human bodies, whether you like it or not, even if you can finish one bottle of whiskey by yourself, your human body is not exempted from being intoxicated. Now, what is the wine that the Bible is talking about? Well, basically, the, Bible, the wine that the Bible is talking about is simply fermented crushed grape juice. We all have that at the B, BWC, right? BWS. We all know that it's an alcoholic drink, that if you drink in excess, you'll get intoxicated, right? In all, there are about 247 references to alcohol in the Bible. 247. And you might be wondering, ask me, where, was, where did it first appear in the Bible? Where did wine first appear in the Bible? Genesis. The first ever recorded mention of wine in the Bible. And the person, the very first time the 
Bible mentions wine, somebody got drunk from it, right? It's found in Genesis chapter 9. After the great flood, Noah became a farmer. He planted the vineyard, and he made wine out of the grapes that he harvested. It says here in Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 to 21, And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted the vineyard. And he drank of the wine. So he made wine out of the grapes that he planted and was drunken. And he was uncovered. He lied naked in his tent. He lost his inhibition. I don't know what came into his mind. He just took his robe off and he slept naked. And we read in verse 23, And Shem and Japheth, two of his sons, took a robe, putting the robe on their backs and walking like with their face turned away from their father to cover Noah in his nakedness. Biblical scholars agree that the wine mentioned in the Bible is indeed alcoholic. D.F. Watson in the Dictionary of Jesus and the Gospels in his article states, all wine mentioned in the Bible is fermented grape juice with an alcohol content. No non-fermented drink was called wine. So when the Bible speaks about wine, it speaks about fermented grape juice. It speaks about a liquid with an alcohol content in it. One idea that supports this is that during those times, there was no method of keeping grape juice fresh all the time. Without refrigeration, whether you like it or not, grape juice will ferment and turn into wine. So you could just imagine during the communion held before the late 1800s, you were not taking grape juice. You were actually drinking grape wine. It was only in the late 1800s when Thomas Welch pioneered the use of pasteurization as a means of preventing the fermentation of grape juice. He was actually a Methodist pastor, and he was concerned that people are drinking wine during the communion, so he developed a way to pasteurize grape juice so it won't ferment into wine. So during the times of Jesus and the olden times, grape juice, whether you like it or not, after a certain amount of time, will turn into wine. The next question is, who drank wine in the Bible? It was mentioned and referred to 247 times. Who drank wine in the Bible? Almost everyone. Wine was a common drink during the time of the Jews, specifically. They enjoyed it with meals. They enjoyed sharing that with friends. It was an essential part of Jewish tradition. For example, fermented wine is typically served during Jewish weddings. And running out of wine during your wedding ceremony is not a good thing. Remember the wedding at Cana? The very first miracle that Jesus did during his ministry? He transformed the molecular structure of water and turned it into wine. It was his very, very first miracle. The person in charge of the celebration said to the groom, every man serves good wine first, and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poorer wine. It makes sense, right? When you're drunk, the poorer wine would taste the same. But he said, but you kept the good wine until now. Jesus did not just provide grape juice. The line that says, 
when the guests are drunk indicates that the wine served during the wedding was alcoholic. Now, if Jesus provided the wine for people to drink, did it also mean that he drank the wine during that wedding? What do you think? Jesus said, okay, let's transform these uh, jars of water into wine. And it was served to everyone. Did you think Jesus drank of that wine? Okay. Now, here's the thing. Just because Jesus turned water into wine doesn't prove that he drank the wine at the wedding. In fact, there was no mention, if you read it in the account of Matthew and Luke, there was no account that Jesus actually drank wine. But being a Jew, it would have been normal for him to do so. So I assume, and I agree with Alex, that Jesus must have drunk wine during that wedding. But whether Jesus drank wine or whether he didn't, what this miracle proves, one thing, Jesus doesn't condemn drinking wine more than he condemns eating bread. You see, bread and wine are not sinful. It is the excessive indulgence in bread and wine, gluttony and drunk, uh, drunkenness that are sinful. Jesus did drink wine, but there is no place in the Bible that you will find mentioned that Jesus got drunk. However, in Luke chapter 7, verse 33 and 34, or 33 to 44, Jesus was answering the claim of his accusers. His accusers were telling him, you are a glutton and a drunkard. This is what he said. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. John the Baptist didn't drink alcohol at all. And here's what he said. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In verse 33, Jesus was making a contrast between John the Baptist not drinking and his own practice. Jesus was saying the leaders were falsely accusing him of being a drunkard and a glutton. We know from this account that Jesus partake of the wine. The reason why he was judged of being a drunkard is probably because people see him drinking wine. But Jesus was never a drunkard. He lived a completely sinless life. The reason why we are here today is because the Bible is anything but quiet on the issue of wine. In his book, What Would Jesus Drink? Brad Whitington breaks down the biblical references of alcohol into three types. Forty are negative, all right? Warning about drunkenness, the potential dangers of alcohol, 145 are positive. It's a sign of God's blessing that we need to enjoy with our friends. It's used in worship, and you would read a lot about it in the Old Testament. 62 are neutral. People falsely accused of being drunk, vows of abstinence. There are 145 positive references to wine. Here are a couple of them, and there are more in the Bible. 
In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, of chapter 9, verse 7, it says, We are told to drink wine with a merry heart. And that's what a lot of us do. We drink wine, we become merry. We, we share that joy with people we love. In Psalm 104, it's, it states that God gives wine that makes glad the heart of men. From these and other scriptures, it is very clear that alcohol itself is not inherently sinful. Remember, it's the abuse. It's the overindulgence in alcohol. It's drunkenness. It's addiction that is sinful. Remember, we can have a two-faced relationship with alcohol. We can use it in moderation or we can abuse it in excess. Remember, it's drunkenness. It's addiction to alcohol. It's the abuse of alcohol that is sinful. The Bible knows the danger of alcohol. And Christians are commanded not to allow their bodies to be commanded or mastered by anything. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And this is not just limited to alcohol. It could be food, it could be drugs, it could be pornography, it could be anything, sexual desires. We become a slave of whatever it is that overcomes us. If you're not drinking alcohol, then maybe there's something else that overcomes you. And you become a slave of that. And we are warned against it. Scripture also forbids a Christian from doing anything that might offend other Christians and encourage them to sin against their own conscience. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. What this is saying in our context is this. If your right to drinking causes someone to actually stumble because of your drinking, maybe he had a bad experience with alcohol, or maybe he was a former uh, alcoholic, or maybe he has just different views on, on alcohol itself. To sin against their conscience, then you should refrain from drinking so as not to cause that person to stumble. And the Bible reminds us even if we have the freedom to do anything, not everything is good for us. Everything is permissible. You have the freedom to choose, the will to do anything that you want. But remember, not everything is beneficial to you. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, the simple rule is, do it for the glory of God. You cannot say that you are drinking in excess and still say and claim that you are glorifying God. You can't. Drunkenness is sinful and Jesus himself warns us against it. We fail when we allow ourselves to be tempted to use it beyond moderation. There are 247 references to alcohol in the Bible. We have talked, what we have talked about is nowhere near in painting the complete picture. So I encourage you to do your own reading, do your own research on what the Bible has to say about drinking. And share it with the people you love. Share it with the people you know who also drink socially. If there is someone who drink habitually, it's better. Share this to them. 
And I just want to end with this. Consumption of small quantities of alcohol is a matter of Christian freedom. There is nowhere in the scripture that says that it's a sin to drink alcohol. But when you drink, it's important to know three things. And I want you to remember three cases. Not three cases, no? just three cases, right? Case number one, know yourself. No one knows you better than yourself. We all know that alcohol can be addictive. It could be habit-forming. We all know that one sip leads to another, and then to another, and then to another, until we lose our reason to, ability to reason against drunkenness. There is always a temptation to drink more. You know that. You start with good intentions. I'll just have a bottle of beer and just have some time with my friends and enjoy the weekend. But there is always temptation to drink more. In times when you are tempted, you should pray to the Holy Spirit for self-control. That's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control to help us keep within our bounds. Case number two. You know your limit. And know your limit. You know how much alcohol you can handle. You know that very well. It's not only important that you know when to stop. What is more important is that you have the resolve to stop when you know you need to stop. The problem is when you start drinking and you know it's time to stop, you don't. You do not have the resolve to stop. And it's always good to have trustworthy and responsible friends who can remind you, hey, that's enough. It is important to know your limit. Drink in moderation, never to drunkenness. Case number three, know what God wants. It's always a battle between what you want and what God wants. Don't forget to remind yourself of what really God wants for you and for your life. Number one, God doesn't want us to pass judgment. It's easy to judge people who drink, and it's easy to judge people who don't drink. We don't use a right to judge someone who doesn't drink and someone who does drink. Number two, God doesn't want us to make others stumble by our drinking. If you are causing someone to stumble because you're drinking in his faith or to sin against his conscience, then you have to abstain drinking for the sake of that person. Know yourself, know your limit, and know what God wants. When you are faced with a bottle of alcohol, every Christian has two choices. One can drink for the glory of God, and the other can abstain from drinking also for the glory of God. The guiding question in everything that we do as a Christian, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, in whatever we do is this. Ask yourself in front of that thing, will this glorify God? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do,
do it for the glory of God. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every second and fourth Sunday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungalin. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.